Live from the downtown studio, the Flames Talk postgame show starts now. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Okay, let's get our Flames Talk postgame underway on this Tuesday night. The Flames kick off 2024 with a victory, and they do so in a hard-fought 3-1 win over the Minnesota Wild. It's Pat Steinberg along with you, and to kick things off, let's go immediately back to XL Energy Center in St. Paul, Minnesota. Check in with Flames defenseman Mackenzie Weger for some postgame reaction. Uh, Mackenzie, another really tight one and a hard-fought win for your group. What would you like about the uh, victory tonight for your side? Well, I, I thought it was, uh, you know, a pretty good game for us. I thought the first period we came out strong. Got two quick ones in the first, and it sort of set us up, set us up for a good second and third. But there were some ups and downs in the game, but I thought Markey, uh, you know, kept us in it in that third period when they had a good push. You knew Minnesota was going to push, I'm sure, in period number three, down by one. How'd you like the way your group handled that Minnesota push, and how'd you like the way that you uh, made sure to come away with the victory in the third period? Yeah, I thought, uh, you know, this it's not an easy place to play. It's, uh, it's tough. you got to grind it out. They're a good team over there. But, you know, I thought Marcy for the first 10 made the saves that we need to. And then after that, you know, after the TV timeout, the second one, I thought we settled in. We started to make some poised plays. We started to get some O's on time. And, um, you know, I just liked the, the poise and the confidence we had in the last 10 minutes there to, to close out the game. Chris Tanev with some huge shot blocks on the penalty kill. Rasmus Anderson had a few as well. Those guys combined for nine in this game. You had uh, you had four yourself, McKenzie. Uh, what what did you like about the penalty kill? How'd you like the way uh, the PK fought in this game tonight? Yeah, you know that's our identity. Uh, you know, Ras and, and Janney. You know, the whole decor back there. We take pride in blocking shots, and that's what it's all about. You know, you got to you got to make those big blocks to, to get these wins. And, uh, you know, we got a little identity going right now on the PK. Um, you know, Lambie's done a great job in the pre scouts but I think we've just we've dug in there. I thought our clears were a little sloppy tonight, but the boxing shots, it's huge for our team and, and getting momentum. Mackenzie, final thought. I know uh, Chris spoke this morning inside the locker room about, you know, how this trip is huge for your season. So getting off to a good start on this trip is really important as well. Just how big was it to kick off a, a tough four-game stretch in six days with a victory tonight? Yeah, it's huge. You know, this is it's obviously a big big trip for us. We're, we're back at 500 here, but now it's all about consistency. We've got to keep it rolling here. We can't take a couple of steps back. We've got to keep moving forward here and build off this one. Mackenzie, appreciate the time. Thanks so much for doing this. Good luck Thursday in Nashville, hey? All right, thanks, buddy. That is Mackenzie Weger post-game following a Flames 3-1 win over the Mackenzie uh, over the Mackenzie Weegers. Let's try that again. Uh, that is a that is Mackenzie Weger post-game following a 3-1 win over the Minnesota Wild. It's the same initials, MW. That's everybody would have made that uh, would have made that mistake. I was going to edit it to see if uh, Azam could put an edit in there. No, we'll just go with it. That's the same initials. You guys would have made the same mistake. I, I swear. Uh, okay, our Flames Talk post-game show is underway. It's Steinberg with you, along with Megan Mickelson and Derek Wills. Phone lines open at 403-240-4444. Text lines open at 960-960. You can get Flames Talk post-game on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Mick, hard-fought win for the Flames. Uh, second straight game where they had to grind it out, and uh, it certainly got close and, and was close pretty much the entire way. Just like that Philadelphia win was on New Year's Eve, but uh, gritty, resilient, some block shots, and uh, another big two points to kick off a big four-game road trip here. Yeah, I, what really set them up for success in this game was their start. 
They had a really strong start, something that they haven't always had this season. Typically, yeah. their third period is their strongest, but really liked their first period. And, you know, that's where they scored those two goals uh, to kick things off. And also really liked the willingness of the Flames forwards to go to the front of the net, to go to the hard areas, Andrew Majapani, Jonathan Huberto in particular, they wouldn't have scored those goals if they wouldn't have gone to the front of the net. So that was really important. It was something that Kale McLean talked about after the game against Philadelphia was just that willingness to go to the front of the net. Uh, thought they dipped a little bit, even in the second period. Uh, I know that they were out shooting the wild heavily, but uh, just in terms of their ozone possession, uh, wasn't solid and then the third period first 10 minutes those were tough but like Mackenzie Weger said just a great job and confidence um, and poise uh, to hang on to that one. And Wilsey that was our uh, marquee matchup pregame brought to you by Country Hills Toyota a big game against the Wild who they had yet to beat this year one of the teams they're in the fight with here uh, in the wild card race in the Western Conference and to start off a big road trip with a victory because you know that fatigue is, is going to get worse as they go on four and six so uh it's a big way to kick it off and, uh, and a pretty gritty way to kick it off tonight yeah absolutely that's a good road win for the flames and there have been a lot of games this season where the flames would kind of stick their toe into the water instead of diving in to start games and i think it explains why they haven't been the fastest starting team in the league this season and have had to battle back in so many hockey games but tonight i thought their pace was just as good as what we saw from the Wild, who are a team that does play with pace. And I thought the Flames were the better of the two teams in the first two periods and deserved to have a 2-0 lead after the first and a 2-1 lead after the second. And as you guys talked about, you knew the Wild were going to push at some point in the third. I didn't think it was going to be a 10-12 to minute push where huh. they outshot the Flames 16-1, to but the Flames bent and didn't break in large part thanks to their goaltender. Jacob Markstrom was fantastic between the pipes again tonight, and he's playing his best hockey in two seasons. And, hey, we talked about it the other night. If the Flames are going to get back in the playoff race, they're going to need their top players to be their top players on a much more consistent basis from now until the end of the season. And they get a goal from Andrew Mangiapane tonight, his first in nine games. They get a goal from Jonathan Huberto tonight, his first in 19 games. And those two goals were enough for the Flames. They get an empty netter from Blake Coleman who just keeps putting the puck in his opponent's net. He's up to 14 goals in the season now, and that's a solid win for the Flames. Let's uh, get to tonight's hardest-working flame, brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Are you the hardest-working plumber or HVAC tech? Canyon's hiring. Send resumes to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. Mick, which way are we heading for the uh, hardest-working flame this evening? <sighs> this one's a little bit of a, a struggle for me. Okay, I'm going to go honorable mention to Jacob Markstrom for very obvious reasons, some very timely saves, especially in the third period. Also early on in the first period when it was still 0-0, some big saves by him. But I'm going to give it to Jonathan Huberto. Um, and I just, you know, can really appreciate 
his willingness to just stick with his game. We talked about him on the pregame show and just the fact that he leads all Flames forwards in primary shot assists, primary scoring chance assists, passes to the slot. He was fifth in scoring chances for on the team, uh, but just hasn't gotten the results. And we've talked about him you know, a fair amount lately just in terms of a lot of the plays that he's been making and, and passes. And the, the game against Philadelphia had a, a really great game as well. But obviously getting that monkey off of his back and scoring a goal, just sticking with his game, not getting too rattled, not getting too frustrated. I'm going to give it to Huberto. Jonathan Huberto is your hardest working flame brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Want to get recognized and rewarded for your achievements? Learn from the best. Send your resume to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. So 10 game, uh, sorry, eight game goalless drought snapped by Andrew Mangiapane and then uh, 10 more for Jonathan Huberto who snaps an 18 game goalless drought uh, and he ends up with the game winner in this one this evening. A 3-1 Flames win over the Minnesota Wild. So Calgary finishes their season series with Minnesota 1-1-1. and And uh, they'll now head into Nashville, finish off their season series with the Predators. Uh, that'll be the rubber match because each team has one win and one loss in that series going into Thursday's game at 6 o'clock uh, here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It's uh, Megan Mickelson, Derek Wills. My name is Pat Steinberg. We'll hear from head coach Ryan Huska very shortly and some more post-game reaction from XL Energy Center in St. Paul, Minnesota. But uh, right now, some uh, final thoughts from our broadcast duo of Mick and Derek, starting with Megan. Yeah, I mean, that's a, a gutsy road win just in terms of finding a way, even when there's the ups and downs of the game. But some big goals from some big players and Andrew Mangiapane and Jonathan Huberto. A lot of block shots, massive block shots. Penalty kill continues to be absolutely outstanding. And Jacob Markstrom as well continues to be outstanding. So for this team, it's just a matter of if you want to stay in the push, stay in the race, just keep your foot on the gas and keep finding ways to win one game at a time. Pat, I'm too late to plant the seed with Megan, but can I plant one with you for Flames player with heart? Uh, I think you're going to plant the seed that I'm already going with, but I'm curious if you are. So let's okay. see. Well, uh, this individual didn't play a ton tonight, 10 yeah. minutes and 42 seconds. It's the one I'm thinking. Yeah. Uh, he had a career high, seven shots, two more than he's had in any other game in his NHL career, eight attempts, two hits. Uh, A.J. Greer created a bunch of scoring opportunities for himself in this hockey game. I thought he was fantastic for the Flames. And uh, that was a hard-fought win, uh, a second straight hard-fought win. Uh, they had to battle back and forth with the Flyers in the third period on Sunday night. Uh, they win that game 4-3. to three. And this game was one where I loved the Flames' start, which isn't something I've said all that often this season. But you know they had a 2-0 lead following the first. So good to see two of their top offensive players and Andrew Mangiapane and Jonathan Huberto get the monkey off their back. Uh, Marjapani with a first and nine, Huberto with his first and 19, and you wonder if it gets that those two guys going. And then Coleman, who's just been the most consistent player on this team all season, <laughs> adds to his totals with uh, another goal. He's up to a team high 14 in the season. But you know, I thought everybody chipped in uh, to help the Flames pick up two important points. And what was a proverbial four-pointer against the Wild team that was 
one point ahead of them and is now one point behind them in the battle for a wild card spot of the Western Conference. So a really good start to this uh, four-game road trip. And uh, as we heard post-game, now you got to follow it up. You have to string some wins together. It can't be win two, lose one. It's got to be some long winning streaks or at least point streaks. And now you go to Nashville to take out another team and the Predators that you're trying to track down in the standings. So we'll see if the Flames can back up a couple of good games, one to finish 2023 and one to start 2024 with uh, another one two nights from now. Uh, all right, friends, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Good night. Thanks, Pat. Uh, Megan Mickelson and Derek Wills signing off on this Tuesday night. A Flames 3-1 win over the Minnesota Wild kicks off a four-game road trip. The phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. The text line is open at 960-960. We'll uh, take some more trips inside the Flames locker room. Hear from head coach Ryan Huska. Hear from the uh, two gentlemen who got monkeys off their back tonight, Jonathan Huberdo and Andrew Mangiapane as well. Flames back to five on the year at 16, 16, and 5. They start 2024 the way they ended 2023 with a victory, and they're off to Nashville on Thursday night. Uh, phone lines, text line, get in line on both as your Flames Talk postgame shows available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The Flames Talk postgame show continues from the downtown studio on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Okay, Flames win 3-1 on the road in Minnesota to kick off a four-game road trip. Our Flames Talk postgame is well underway on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Pat Steinberg along with you on this Tuesday night. The phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Text line is open at 960-960. Get in line now. We'll get to you very, very shortly on the text line and on the phone lines. But first, let's head back to XL Energy Center again and get some postgame reaction. Here's the head coach. Ryan Huska after a hard-fought win over the Wild. Ryan, how would you evaluate that road game for your team? Um, it was a win. Maybe we'll put it that way. I, you know, for the first two periods, I thought we did some good things. Third period, we were on our heels for a lot of it. And uh, thankfully, we had a goaltender that was, was on his game tonight because I think he allowed us to get the two points. Uh, Jonathan got a goal tonight. I mean, part of it is just a matter of time, but how much of it also was the shakeup with the lines, do you think? Uh, I, I think it's, it, it might be a part of it, but, um, you know, he had chances where he was playing before too, um, whether it was shooting the puck or making plays, they just weren't going in for him. So um, the game prior to this one against Philadelphia made a nice play on Dennis's goal. Tonight he, he finishes a nice passing play for us, so hopefully that's a sign of some good things to continue to come for him. When you look at this game, Coach, the resiliency in the third period, though, might not have been the way you want to see them play the third period. Yeah. But what do you take away from that resiliency and come up with the victory? Uh, well, they have been all year, that resilient. I guess they're, you know, they're never out of a game. Um, they're competitive. We just, it's not the third period that we would like to put in the books and, and, and see too often, though, that's for sure. Manj looks like he might be getting on a bit of a roll too when it comes to yeah. Has he been getting into those dirty areas like you have? Yeah, M more so for sure. I mean, where he's right in front of the net for the for the one tonight, so that's that's where he's at his best. And um, there's certain players on our team that we rely on in a lot of different situations, and he's most definitely one of them. So we, we need to see him at his at his best because it's going to help our team win games. 
You mentioned Markstrom's play ever since returning from injury. He's yeah. been just phenomenal. Yeah. Able to him over the last like, six games. Now. He's been excellent. Um, you know, we often talk with Marky when he's rested. He hates it because he wants to play 82. Um, <laughs> But when he's rested, he's a really good goaltender, one of the best in the league for sure. And and we rely on him in a lot of situations. And uh, there's not too many games this year where you could be like, oh, Marky wasn't there. Um, so he, he was our best player by far tonight, and we're going to need him to continue to be. And that's why Jacob Markstrom was the number one star on the road at XL Energy Center. That's head coach Ryan Huska postgame following a 3-1 win. Let's uh, continue along. And on the Jacob Markstrom front, let's get to tonight's save of the game brought to you by Shane Holmes. Jacob's save of the game comes in period number one. Boldy up the left wing side. He fakes a shot, fakes a pass, and Markstrom stops Johansson from point blank range. Boy, he played that just perfectly. That is one of the 28 stops made by Jacob Markstrom tonight. And that's his save of the game brought to you by Shane Holmes. For every save a Flames goaltender makes, Shane Holmes makes a donation to Kids Sport Calgary. Visit ShaneHolmes.com, the better way to build. Overall, with the uh, 28 and 29 tonight, Jacob's overall save percentage is up to 907. And since coming back from that uh, finger injury, when he broke his finger, he's now started six games. He's up to a 936 save percentage in those six games 4-2-0 is the record in those six starts as well so really feels like Jacob Markstrom's numbers are starting to catch up to how well he has played this season so see if he gets the start on Thursday probably will in that type of big game he'll almost certainly get the start Thursday against the Nashville Predators okay full lines are open at 403-240-4444 we're a little thin to start so if you want to jump in now's the time to do so so not so thin on the text line, though, at 960-960. Let's jump in right now on the text line, starting with Scotty and Victoria who says, uh, awesome to get the win against a strong Minnesota team. Seeing Huberto and Mangiapane get on the scoreboards a relief. Let's hope they can build on it moving forward. Only reason they won tonight, though, was Markstrom. Unbelievable goaltending. They need to be able to bury more than two goals on 30-plus shots. That being said... Flurry played well tonight as well, and it's always awesome to see him between the pipes as well. Also, shout out to Tanev with five blocks. They cannot get rid of this guy, Pat. He is the one of the three I think they must keep. Happy New Year. That comes from Scotty in Victoria. We'll see what the Flames decide to do on that front when it comes to Chris Tanev's future. This from Ethan in Saskatoon. Pat Markstrom was great tonight. It was great to see Huberto get a goal, and overall, I think the Flames had a great night. Yeah, that I, you know, you heard there from the head coach. Wasn't... Uh, thrilled with the third period and, and understandably so but Markstrom very good in the third sometimes you got to rely on your goaltender two evenly matched teams I know Minnesota was I mean let's be honest that was a game the Flames had to win with all the injuries Minnesota was dealing with tonight um but and and the Wild are going to be in for a tough go here, especially without Kaprizov for a little while. Sounds like Zuccarello is pretty close to returning. But um, Flames Flames fought hard, and sometimes you got to get a good goaltending performance to win too. And they needed it in the third period. And Markstrom was great. That's why you pay him six million dollars, right? Um, 
This from Kyle, who says, decent game tonight. First period felt chaotic. Both teams putting all kinds of pressure on and so many turnovers on both sides. It was a good, solid, hard-hitting game. I love watching that kind of hockey. Huberto was decent, kind of disappeared after the first period. Hope he doesn't fall back into his pattern. Osterley looked lost tonight. Wasn't his night, that's for sure. Now, Backlund. This is the Backlund we loved watching a few years ago. The heads-up plays, knowing where to be, forcing turnovers, and the second and third efforts. This guy's been unreal real the past few games. He's leading by example. Let's just hope the team picks up that example. I'd hate to see Tanev go. The guy's unreal and is quickly becoming a more valuable asset. We should call him Tanev the tank since nothing gets through him. That comes from Kyle. On the backland front, bang on. Um, was actually happy that he got rewarded with the assist on the Coleman goal even though it was an empty netter because he should have gotten assist. well not should have but the first goal the Majapani goal doesn't happen if it wasn't for the Backlund great second and third effort to force a turnover he ends up with the third assist which of course doesn't count and made two or three other really good plays tonight I thought Backlund Coleman Majapani were really strong thought Backlund individually was very strong tonight lines kind of got juggled up in the late second into the third period. Ice time was limited for Rizichka. Ice time was limited for Zeri, Pospisil, and Dubé as well. Not straight up benchings, but... Um definitely some uh, dialing back of ice times as the game went along. Um, this says uh, from Laura in Legacy, great to see Lindholm and Huberto come together for a great goal. Big win. Really nice to see. Uh, what else we got here at 960? 960. 960. Uh, this from Jeff says, Pat, could you comment on why teams are doing the high puck flips out of their D zone to the neutral zone? Flames included, but not under any pressure from the opposing team. Is there a strategy to this? Well, usually you do that when you see a little bit of um, when you see a little bit of uh, or, or when you get the sense that you've got a little manpower through the neutral zone, if you've got that manpower, you can flip the puck and see if you can win a neutral zone battle. So that would be my best answer to that. Uh, this says from Leandro, uh, just puts the biggest smile on my face to see my two favorite dudes on the team find success in the same night. Way to go, Huberdo and Markstrom. I may be too much of an optimist and feel free to put me in my place. I know changes will be imminent in the coming months, but in your opinion, would there be any rationality to the thinking the boys may still be able to do some serious cooking getting into a playoff spot with these guys? Team Tank's going to hate it, knowing full well that they're jeopardizing a quote-unquote brighter future, but what if whatever they can get in return for the UFAs turn out to be better for the team for it? Kind of like the Sharon Govich for Toffoli deal. That being said, I'm probably too much of a now person than looking into what a brighter future kind of guy would, but just saying, early picks or first overall picks may not turn out the way you want to. Hashtag Nail Yakupov. Thanks for the time, Pat. Um, well, I, I don't think I, 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 first of all, putting you in your place, that's, that, 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 that in, implies that um, my opinion carries more weight than yours, which I don't like to, uh, I don't like to suggest. So even if I disagreed, that's not the way I'd want to go about it. But Leandro, uh, I don't even, like, I, I don't even necessarily disagree. Like my best case scenario in this situation is the Flames make their trades because I do think it's borderline imperative that they do make the trades for the UFAs and, and not miss this opportunity. Now, it doesn't have to be all three of them, although I still think all three is the way to go, but definitely at least two of those guys, I do think they have to move. But 
by moving those guys doesn't necessarily mean the Flames just wave the white flag and no longer are competitive. Like The baseline that this group has set under Ryan Huska for their work ethic, for their compete level, like you heard Ryan Huska talk about it, you heard Mackenzie Weger talk live with us about it, Like they, they've got an identity building here. They, they, they play hard, they compete hard, they don't always execute at the highest level because that happens, but there's a team that, that fights hard and they don't quit. And that's one of the constants. That's one of the things that you come to expect on a night-in, night-out basis. Like, it is a rarity these days the Flames don't fight and don't have that compete level and don't have that consistent work ethic. They're not the most talented team in the Western Conference, but they are able to work. And sometimes that work ethic in and of itself is the reason why they win hockey games. And so when you've got that, you make your pragmatic trades – I, again, I keep going back to the Nashville example of last year. They traded away numerous guys that didn't fit long-term with the group. They traded Tanner Janot. They traded Mikhail Granlin. They traded Nino Niederreiter. And they traded Matthias Ekholm. And they still stuck in the playoff race until the very end. They were the team. They stayed in longer than the Flames stayed in because they were the team that eliminated Calgary. So I'm all I'm saying is that you don't wave the white flag once you make these deals. Your team becomes less competitive by most metrics, but doesn't mean that you just decide not to play anymore. And and so it makes it more difficult for them to get in, but doesn't mean that it's an impossibility and doesn't mean that you just completely tank your season, right? So that's kind of where I stand on that, Leandro. Uh, Parsons right, scary third, but Markstrom kept the game in the Flames' favor. Looks like switching Mangiapane and Huberto on lines has helped them both out. Feel good for Huberto scoring. They were a shot-blocking machine tonight by committee. Let's get two points from Nashville. Um, this says from Jason, who's a Flames fan in Toronto, I think this season's a great opportunity for Calgary to sell off what assets they can for a rebuild, and we'll still have no problem reaching the cap floor with some of their high contracts on the books. Yeah, I don't think the cap floor is going to be um, an issue for them going forward. Ash writes, uh, I think it may be time to swap Dubé and Pospisil. I think 76 in particular needs to play in more low-pressure situations. I don't know. I, I haven't loved Pospisil the last two games, but by and large, he's been a pretty consistent figure on that line with Kadri and Zeri. I haven't loved Zeri's game the last two games either, but you know, it's going to happen with young players and so when that happens, I, I, I think they've both earned enough leeway that I'm not ready to completely demote them um, when they have a rough game or two. And finally, this says Markstrom looks like he could carry this team to a playoff spot, but still don't think they have what it takes to go deep. Yeah, Markstrom's given them everything he's got. There's no doubt about it. Um, whether or not it would be enough to get them to a playoff spot remains to be seen, but he is definitely doing everything he can and has been very strong this season and even stronger since coming back from that finger injury. Uh, great stuff on the text line at 969.60. Text line remains open as our Flames Talk postgame show continues. We're thin on the phone lines though, so if you want to jump in, do so now at 403-240-4444. Uh, give us a call 
You won't get a busy signal right now if you want to chat following a Flames 3-1 win over the Minnesota Wild. 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Of course, we don't push it. We'll go as uh, we'll take as many phone calls as those who want to jump in on the phone lines, and we'll do that as per usual on this Tuesday as well. It's your Flames Talk post game on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Final score 3-1 Flames over the Minnesota Wild. Let's kick it off by saying hello to George to kick off 2024. We didn't hear him to close out. 2023, but we do hear him on this Tuesday night, January 2nd. What's going on, Georgie? Happy New Year, Patty, my friend. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well, my friend. I hope you had a good New Year, and I hope you, uh, you know, you partied hard but safe. Uh, I did not. I was violently ill, uh, but uh, I made it through, and I'm still alive and able to be here today. Oh, man, I'm sorry to hear oh, that. Oh, well, my I'm New Year's Day and New Year's Eve were rough. But I'm I'm hanging in. Brutal. Well, I'm I'm glad you're getting better, my friend. I wish you the quickest recovery. Little uh, I'm that almost, was. I'm almost certain it was food poisoning. So, I'm uh, I'm on oh. the mend. Good. Oh, not good that you got food poisoning. Good that you're on the mend. That's no, no, not, you meant that uh, was good because I got food poisoning. I know, I know what you meant. I know. No, no, no. <laughs> I know what you. Meant. Well, that was that was a very impressive win over the Mackenzie Uyghurs. Hey, Mackenzie Uyghurs played well tonight, man. Uh, I, I, I think <laughs> Honestly, that, Reg, I keep think... that in. I know you guys edit the podcast, but that was great. I, that popped me. That was awesome. Sometimes mistakes are meant to happen. That yeah, was beautiful. Exactly. <laughs> no, but it was. Like, I, I, I get it. Look, Minnesota dominated in the third period. It wasn't a great third period. The bottom line is Minnesota, you know, especially since they've made the coaching change, they've been very good. I, I, I could not understand for the life of me why Minnesota – played the way they did to start the season. I've really, I really like the team. I like the roster they have. Uh, but, you know, sometimes, like, it happens in hockey. Sometimes players tune out a coach, and since they've gotten John Hines in there, they've been much better. So, you know, despite the fact that Minnesota definitely, you know, came very close to, uh, you know, tying it uh, in the third, bottom, and they all shot Calgary by a large margin. The bottom line is Jacob Markstrom did what he does best here lately, and that's, you know uh, – make big saves and uh yeah he's the number one reason they won the game and markstrom has been just excellent since coming back from injury you quoted those stats there of his save percentage in the six games since and those are very impressive numbers and you know you put those into the numbers before and it starts to raise his numbers and actually kind of correlates to what in my opinion and a lot of other people's opinions what he's really been because Mm -hmm. i know he's caught a lot of flack with a lot of other players but honestly like i think he has been the least of our problems all year. And I'm saying even that with that, that 2-7-1 run, like, Markstrom has been just fine. Like, he's he's one of the few players that's bounced back from last year. Agreed. Yeah, and, and, and I do think he's been at a different level since coming out of the injury. Um, but – yeah, I, I do, th- and I and I think overall now he's up to a 907 save percentage. I think overall the numbers are starting to catch up to him. And, and what I mean by that is, I think he's played really strong for the most part all year. Far more often than not, he gives the team uh, a chance to win, which is kind of what you expect from your number one. Um, I, I think all year he's proven that he's taken steps from where he was last year, and now those numbers are starting to get to the level and. And, and get to maybe reflect a little bit closer to how well he played. Oh, most definitely. And let's be honest, just the eye test alone, he's looked like, uh, let's say, like a 920 goaltender all year. It's just because of the circumstances and, you know, the defensive play and just 
you know, this team is what they are, you know, it, it, that makes it hard on any goaltender. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? A goaltender can only do so much with what they have in front of them. So, you know, like, he, like I said, he's been the least of our problems this year. I've, I actually think he's one of the players that has bounced back legitimately and has looked like more of the Jacob Markstrom that was a runner-up for the Vesna, you know? So yeah. that's good. Uh, now, who has Blake Coleman as the team's leading scorer, uh, leading goal scorer, sorry, and on pace for about 30 on their bingo card when the season started this year? Yeah, no, and, and this is not a shot at Blake at all. Uh, at all. But, at but all. no, nobody but. did. That, that was, you know, um, because, look, Coleman's hit 20 before, and we know that he's got a nice little offensive flair to his game, but, you know, one thing, a couple things. First of all, one thing we weren't as aware of until training camp and the season was underway is how below 100% he was in his first two seasons as a member of the Flames health-wise and how this past offseason, a longer offseason for him, uh, allowed him to get closer to 100%. Uh, so we didn't we didn't have the full scope of that coming into the year. And second of all, I also think Blake took it on himself after last year the offense dipped so much with no uh, Gaudreau and no Kachuk. And then to fully get dealt this offseason – I, I've talked to a couple of people um, who, who have kind of talked, you know, Blake took it upon himself to add more offense to this group as well and felt like, hey, you know, with some of the players that have been lost, I'm one of the guys who needs to step up. I'm one of the guys who can step up and who's comfortable in adding more offense than he has, and, and he's done a hell of a job with it. He has, you know, and I mean, the guy's always been a solid hockey player. I mean, he was loved every team he played for. You know, they loved him in New Jersey. He was fantastic for Tampa. Let's be honest, that line he was on with Gord and uh, I believe it was Barclay Goudreau, like they were they were a huge reason why, you know, they won those cups. So, I mean, he's a, he's always been an impactful player, but it's it's a huge positive to see him step up the way he has. I mean, I always like the contract and right honestly right now it's like you could say it's a very good value contract the way he's playing. And I'm not just talking about the points and the goals he's putting up, but just every facet of his game is top-notch right now. Yep. Yeah. Finally, there's a question I'm going to post to you. You probably won't have a, an answer for me or a good answer, but I want to present it. I did want to start off by congratulating uh, the ladies of the PWHL on you know their inaugural season. They're getting like good crowds and everything. And I know they started out with, I believe, six teams, Patty. But... Um, and, and as, if I'm not, if you can correct me if if I'm wrong, this is basically they're affiliated with the NHL, correct? Uh, there there is more of a connection, yeah. Okay, so my question is, do you think here eventually, like soon, they will expand? Do you think Calgary would get a team? Potentially, I I do believe. Um... I, I do believe that they have been, you know, kind of linked to a next wave of a next wave of teams. I do think they're looking uh, with the PWHL. I do think they're looking to take it really slow um, and and you know build this thing properly so that it um, you know so that they don't get too far ahead of themselves it is a fledgling league you know two or three days into starting but yeah I mean I, the, the the only problem with Calgary is I win sport having the the big arena helps but 
it's still there, there's still a slight facility issue here, um, and there's not that that natural secondary rink. And and the again the big arena and Mick will tell you, um, Mick will be the first to tell you. Like it, it was a great spot for when the Inferno were here, um, and and when we did have a, a pro team in a women's league. But I still think a facility issue is is a slight hindrance. But I, I think they'd be a possibility. Yeah, and and I hope that they'd be a possibility. Me too, because you, you see, honestly, you see, you see it firsthand better than I do. Like how cool it is to have the Wranglers in town now and have the AHO affiliate in the same city. And I know, look, housing that many teams, you know, with CSEC, you have the Flames now, you have the Wranglers, you have the Hitman, you have the Roughnecks all in one building. Now, like now, keep in mind, by the time that could potentially happen, very, you know, we would have the new arena, and I'm assuming it's not going to be just the arena. I'm assuming they're going to have a. Uh, Yes, there will Another, be. A, like, there uh, is a community rink that's going in with the new event center. So yeah, so I just, that's kind of why I think about it. I would like, obviously, I'm a Calgarian first and foremost, and I want the best for my city, and I want the best, you know, for the sports of the city. And it, it's just like I said, I think having the Wranglers is such a huge plus, and and I hope they stay permanently as the affiliate of the Flames because it's for obvious reasons. But it would be nice to see Calgary get eventually, you know, a PWHL team because. They, they deserve it. And from everything I've heard, I've never seen it myself um, personally, but I heard even going to the Inferno games when they were there were really awesome. So, you know, it's just something I've been thinking about. See where it goes, my friend. All right, my man. Good talking to you. I hope you get better very quick, my friend. And uh, we'll talk soon. Have a great night, bud. All right, George, you be well. Yes, sir. Phone lines are open at 403-240-4444 as we continue along in your Flames Talk postgame. Flames win 3-1 over the Minnesota Wild. Sarah is up next. What's up, Sarah? Hey, Pat. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing? I'm not bad. I want to give a shout-out to your last caller for mentioning the Ladies League because they had a raucous first game yesterday with all the big hits and everything, and I think – it's really exciting, and I was really excited to hear somebody on Flames Radio, like fan-wise, talking about it after a Flames game. Yeah, it was neat to uh, it was neat to see the uh, the way things started off the last couple of days. Good coverage. Uh, all three big networks in the country are are covering it, and uh, there's partnerships with Sportsnet, CBC, and TSN. So yeah, it was it was really good to see a good start, um, and and hopefully the momentum keeps going. I, I, I like the. I like the way that they're building it slowly and uh, not trying to rush anything. Uh, so it was a really good start. Not trying to rush anything, even though they pulled it all together in like six months. <laughs> yes, agreed. But it, it was also a long time coming leading yeah. up to them pulling together, pulling that together in those six months. Yes. No, that's true. Now, what I really wanted to talk about tonight is Chris Tanev. You know, I'm your Canucks fan who constantly calls in and harasses and, well, and gets harassed. <laughs> but – <laughs> I know, I know. Harassed in, um, harassed in an acceptable way. Oh, in a way that, like, I fully accept because I look at the standings and that speaks for itself right now, so it's all right. Unfortunately, it does. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Chris Tanev tonight was a beast, but I wonder if when he plays like this, if it's making other teams want to shy away a little bit because, I mean – we know what happened last year with him in like through the season and getting injured. Mm-hmm. And he's, I mean, I also know what it's like to have him go down at like in Vancouver and all of a sudden the defense is kind of like, what do we do? And I wonder if that's maybe going to have 
some teams shy away a little bit because like it was a monster game for him tonight. And I mean, I, I just wonder how much his body can actually go through doing that on a regular basis for like, and if other teams are looking at it that way. Well, I think anybody who is interested in Chris Tanev is aware of the way he plays. Uh, and yeah. I mean, he rarely gets into 82. Now he he's been close and, and has has gone through years without you know facing. I mean, even last year he missed time, but it was only short periods of time in spurts. This year he's only had mm-hmm. the one stretch where he missed the the four games I believe, or the three games I believe it was. Um, so he's been a much um, he's been a much. Uh, much more or a much more durable player since getting to Calgary. Uh, so I think anybody who acquires him knows. Um, now, I think for the Flames, the worry is if they are looking to trade him, then, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want him to be injured. But yeah. I think if you're Toronto or you're Dallas or you're Vegas or you're any other team, Los Angeles, who could be looking, Vancouver, <laughs> who could be looking at a Chris Tanev deal, I think you know what you're getting, and so I don't think that anything he does short of getting injured seriously, knock on wood, is going to really change how teams look at him, in in my opinion. No, no, and I think that's true. I like also, though, how you really, like, subtly slid in that Vancouver Soft reference right in there of saying that he's more durable now. Well, I mean, you when you get to Calgary, you get you, you get you get less West Coast soft. My brother, my brother, born and raised in Calgary, spent the first twenty, almost thirty years of his life here. Moved to Vancouver. Now he's he's West Coast soft. It took him two years. I was going to say it's actually just one winter. One winter in Vancouver, and you're ruined forever. Yeah, I exactly. I can attest to this. I came back and thought I was going to die for like five years. <laughs> Anyways, thanks, Pat. Have a good uh, 2024, and hopefully you feel better moving forward and no more no more of the uh, the stomach stuff. Yeah, appreciate <laughs> that. You uh, you be well, Sarah. Thank you so much. Uh, have a good night. Uh, phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Like Sarah, there's a there's a good Canucks fan. Not not trolling. Not trying to not not calling in on Oilers Radio and Flames Radio. Trying to trying to troll us. That's a it's a good Canucks fan. Yeah, the trolls are pretty funny too. I won't lie. Canucks, Canucks fans are a different, uh, just a different world. Uh, the way they go about their business, I find it quite entertaining. We are thin tonight. Here I am, just inviting the Vancouver trolls. Uh, luckily, they're playing as we speak right now, so they're not paying attention to me. Uh, but we are thin on the phone lines tonight. Big three-one win for the Flames. If you want to chat on a Tuesday night, give us a call. You will not get a busy signal at 403-240-4444. Uh, the text line remains open at nine sixty nine sixty. We're even a little thin there. If you want to jump in on the text line tonight as we continue along in your Flames Talk post game, let's say hello to our buddy Anand. What's going on, Anand? Good evening, Patty. How are you? I'm good. Happy New Year to you. I know you had a bit of uh, not a good New Year, but Happy New Year to you anyway. Thank you, hopefully pal. You can, yeah, hopefully you can, after this uh, shift tonight, go home and relax and take it easy. Uh, yeah, good game tonight. Uh, definitely. I was a little scared uh, coming into this game because we had a 0-1-1 and record when we first against Minnesota while lost against a shootout. And then uh, we, I was at the go, uh, game at the Dome on when they played Minnesota while a couple of weeks ago, the 5-2 loss. So I was a little scared, uh, but uh, great job by the boys. Especially I know Minnesota well had a few main 
players injured as well, so that could have been a possibility for them. Uh, but yeah, Blake Coleman and everybody looked uh, great. And one question for you though, so um, uh, regarding trade talks and everything, so I know uh, Marstrom, he's looking great, uh, but Vladar hasn't seen that many games yet. I think this is Marstrom's sixth start of the year. What no, 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 six, six start in a row. Oh, six start. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, sorry, yeah, I phrased it wrong there. So what do you think uh, will happen between Mushroom Vladar, like when it comes to trade deadline? Do you think uh, any of both of them will get traded? If so, who will get traded first and all that? Do we have any speculations or talks? Well, happening? I think I think the most um, the most likely guy to get traded is um, is Vladar, just because it's a little bit of an easier um, it's a little bit of an easier move to make, uh, just based on his uh, based on his contract situation. So I do think that he is the more likely guy to move. If they if they end up making a move in season, I don't think it's completely out of the question that they move Markstrom between now and the trade deadline. Like I don't think I, I don't I wouldn't slam the door shut on that. But he's got two million uh, sorry two years left at six million, and he's got a full no move clause. So it, it becomes a little more difficult if if you're the Flames and trying to make that happen, right? Yeah, I'll write a question and also a question regarding Martin Postwistle. I know he had, he's not having a great of a game for the past couple of games. I think he was benched for a few minutes though, right today. Um, his his ice time got got dwindled a little bit, got uh, got pulled back a little bit. Not 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 a straight up benching, but you know him, Zary, Dubé, Rizicka all have their ice time limited a little bit in the uh, in the third period. Uh, do we maybe see so because of Zari and possible do we see they could get, get them arrested and do we see maybe Corona to come back in the near no, future? I, 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 no, I don't think I don't think either Zari or Pospisil just because they you know had a couple of games that weren't at the same level. I don't think they've played themselves out of the lineup. If you ask me. Yeah. Okay. And I just want to uh, one more thing say, like Tanner has uh, been so amazing with his block shots, but yeah, it's going to be scary for him if he can stay fully in the lineup. Uh, but his block shots, and I think even Anderson had a couple of few block shots too, which was awesome to see. Yeah, yeah it was uh, five yeah. for Tanev, four each for Anderson and Uyghur. Um Gilbert had uh, Gilbert had one. Hannafin had three. That, that decor, they blocked some shots tonight. Yeah, also. Yeah, also I wanted to say that Circle K Classic, I'm looking for a lot of youth to come in. I was I met a few youth uh, that are looking great and promising for their career, so I just wanted to mention that too. All right, Pat, thanks for the chat. I appreciate it. Have a good night and talk to you on Thursday. Okay, thanks, Anne. And the phone lines remain open at 403-240-4444 as the Flames take a 3-1 win over the Minnesota Wild on this Tuesday night to kick off a four-game road trip. So the phone line's open at 403-240-4444. Text line remains open at 960-960. Uh, Megan Mickelson has already named Jonathan Huberdeau the hardest-working Flame. Jonathan snapped a goal this drought at 18 games with his fifth of the season turned out to be the game-winning goal late in the first period let's hear from Jonathan right now Jonathan Huber- Jonathan Huberto spoke post-game inside the locker room following a 3-1 win over Minnesota Jonathan finally got one in tonight how good, how good does that feel 
Uh, it felt good. I mean, uh, you know, it's been a while. And uh, like I said, I think lately we've been, you know, been playing better. So I think uh, it was good to get, you know, chemistry on the line too. And uh, that one obviously felt good, and especially, you know, finish it off with a win. Of course, it was going to be just a matter of time for you, but how much credit do you give the lineup of changes well, just the fact that you're on this different line now? Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously, you know, sometimes you create some stuff and, you know, the coaches try to change it. And uh, maybe, you know, like I said, I think I, I was creating a little bit more, so you thought, you know, it could change the could change line goal with Lindy. And uh, we just got to make it work. We need to be an offensive line, you know, a good line that you can trust us to. And uh, I think, you know, that's what we've been doing, so we've got to keep, keep doing that. What did you think of your team's overall play tonight? Really good start, and then Minnesota really pushed back after that first Yeah, I thought we had a good start, especially in this building. It's, it's not easy. And after that, I think, you know, we kind of, they pushed back. We knew that was going to happen. But I think, you know, Marquis stood up. Guys were blocking shots. And, you know, that, that, that's the kind of team we are. And resiliency. And I think, you know, we, we came up with, with a huge win. So. Do you think that was a good way to set the tone for the rest of this road trip? And then these games really get easier for you? No, for sure. Three and four coming up. So I think, you know, focus on, on Nashville. But that's a good way to start you know, the year. And, uh, you know, we need to climb in the standing. So next few games are going to be huge for us. And I got to give credit to, to Mark Savard for he's been taping my stick. So uh, black tape, too. So he wanted me to give him a shout out. So I got to say it. When did that start? Uh, the past two games. So really? like, yeah, so uh, we're just creating some things. So, yeah, he's, he's pretty pumped out there. Okay. Right. Speaking of shout-outs, Jonathan, you're known as a good passer. What would you say to Igor and Elias on that play? They were two beautiful passes that set you off. Like yeah, that. it was a great pass. You know, Lindy is a, you know, is a good player, I think, all around. And, you know, Charky gave him a nice pass. And then after that, I kind of was going to the, to the net. And, you know, he found me a nice pass. And I think, you know, we're just creating some stuff. You're getting to know each other, too. So it's, uh, it's good. It was a pretty slick finish, sorry. Did you feel like you were gripping your stick a little looser after that assist the other night? <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah, probably. I think, uh, I mean, that's kind of, you know, that's uh, that, that's confident. I think that's what it's going to be, and I think a goal, you know, helps you with that for sure. There you go. That is Jonathan Huberdeau postgame. So... That is the second time we've had a Mark Savard. Uh, remember Mark Savard? <laughs> he was on the post game with us a few months ago. He's like, I don't want to. I don't want to say anything. But I was taping Lindy's stick, and then Lindy had a thing a three point night that night. And we're like, oh, okay. And then here's Jonathan Huberdo giving credit to uh, Mark Savard for taping his stick as well. So that's funny. Uh, there is Jonathan Huberdo post game. He uh, snaps an 18 game goalless drought with his fifth of the year as part of this Flames 3-1 win over the Minnesota Wild. As we continue along on your Flames Talk post game show, Steinberg along with you as we select tonight's player with heart. Brought to you by. Heart Fit Clinic, honorable mention to Michael Backlund, who I thought was outstanding in this game. Uh, the captain really set the pace in this one for the Flames uh, and, and really was a tone setter every time he was out there. But how can you not go with uh, the team's leader in like every offensive metric outside of points tonight? How about A.J. Greer led the team with eight shot attempts, led the team with a career-high seven shots, uh, led the team with six scoring chances, and led the team with two high-danger scoring chances. Did all that with nine minutes and 46 seconds of five-on-five -five ice time, and uh, also with um, – that was all five-on-five -five metrics, by the way – 
and uh, also led the team with uh, 10 minutes or, or also only played 10 minutes and 42 seconds overall. How can you not give it to A.J. Greer tonight? We'll go A.J. Greer as the player with heart tonight, brought to you by HeartFit, HeartFit Clinic rather uh, for HeartFit assessments and proven treatments not available at your doctor's office. Visit HeartFit. Ca. Let's go back inside the Flames locker room for a final time. Uh, we already heard from uh, Jonathan Huberdeau, who snapped a goalless drought at 18 games, while Andrew Mangiapane opened the scoring in this game, and he snapped a drought at eight games. Let's hear from Andrew inside the Flames locker room as well. Let's just start with the game. Uh, what did you think of your guys' performance today? Yeah, I think we started off uh, good. We were prepared, uh, you know, that they were going to come uh, – working hard right and uh thought we started well and like our third period we needed to kind of you know sharpen up a little bit but we were able to you know bend and just kind of battle and you know get through the game right so it's a good two points uh for our team and uh good way to start off a road trip uh jonathan ended a goal slump you did as well how how good did that one feel for you yeah it was good it was a good shot by uh razzy there and um yeah it was a good kind of play uh, all around for all the guys on the ice there um, yeah, and I'm sure Hubie's uh, pretty happy there as well. And that was a nice, uh, nice goal, nice finish, nice pass by Lindy. Your coach has said that he thinks you play the best when you're really hounding the puck and you're really in the dirty areas. Do you feel like you've been doing that more lately? Yeah, I'd say so. I think uh, you know, when I'm around the puck, uh, going to the dirty areas, I think good things happen for me. Um, so yeah, I just got to keep uh, staying tenacious uh, when I'm little puck battles. And, you know, that'll help my game. And how important is it to set the tone with this win on this on this road trip for you guys? Yeah, it's it's really big, right? Uh, you know, it's a tough uh, building to play in uh, here, and they're loud, and um, you know, it was good for our guys to kind of come away with the two points, like I said, right? So uh, we got to keep building on it, and you know, improve for uh, next year. You guys were resilient in the third, but on your goal, you kind of showed your resiliency there. You got, you know, fell down after getting the first attempt, got right back up, came back and scored. Does it make that one feel that much better when, when it unfolds like that? Yeah. Uh, I think I would have liked to put in the first shot there that I hit the post on, but yeah, it was good that we were able to, you know, keep the puck in and, um, you know, make up for it and got another one. What does that third period say about this team in terms of resiliency right now? Yeah, I think we're, you know, we're playing for each other, right? Obviously, it wasn't the, our cleanest uh, game, right? But, uh, you know, guys are blocking shots there at the end, uh, you know, chipping pucks out, trying to win as many battles as you can, right? So uh, I think there's areas where we could clean up, but yeah, it was uh, good that we were able to, you know, play for each other and, you know, get the win for Mark. It was great tonight. There you go. That is Andrew Mangiapane snapped a goalless drought at eight games tonight with the opening goal in a 3-1 Flames win over the Minnesota Wild. Uh, it's Steinberg along with you on your Flames Talk postgame show tonight, and it's time to look ahead. Looking ahead, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. And next up for the Flames game, two of this four-game road trip. They will take on the Nashville Predators Thursday night at 6 o'clock. We'll be on the air at 5 o'clock with your Calgary Flames warm-up, and it's on Sportsnet West on television. Uh, Flames are 1-1-0 against Nashville this year. Took a 4-2 home ice win and lost 4-2 at Bridgestone Arena. Both those games happened in November, so the rubber match of this three-game season series goes Thursday night. Overall, Flames 2-3-3 in their last eight head-to-head matchups with the Preds. That date back, dates back to the 21-22 season 
And uh, in the uh, three seasons since the pandemic kind of uh, officially came to an end in the NHL, um, it's been a really, really close season series. Losses have been close. Wins have been close. So probably what you'll expect on Thursday night. The Preds are red hot. They won again tonight, 3-0 over Chicago. That'll be an interesting game on Thursday night. Uh, then the Flames are into Philadelphia on Saturday morning. Note the start time. That is 11 a.m. against the Flyers. And then Sunday, they take on the Blackhawks to wrap up this uh, road trip. And that is a 1 o'clock face-off uh, at United Center in Chicago. There you go. That is Looking Ahead Tonight, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. Let's get back to the text line for the final time tonight. Still got a uh, few few texts to get to on this Tuesday. Starting with this one. Uh, important win by the Flames tonight. Would Trevor Zegras be a fit for the Flames? Was listening to Bob Stoffer on an Oilers game, and he speculated Zegras may be available given the Ducks have McTavish and Carlson. And, you know, I don't dispute that, and I'm, I'm um, not uh, throwing shade at, at Stoff at all when I say this. I don't dispute the fact that Zegris could be available for minute, uh, for Anaheim. Um, I, I, I think that that's a really interesting player to watch because the Ducks are building a young group. I think it's fairly safe to infer that new general manager uh, Pat Verbeek, who did not draft Zegris, looks at him as maybe a little bit lower priority, which is why they waited as long as they did to sign the three-year bridge deal and not a long-term deal. So, yeah, I'm, I'm quite interested to see what happens with Zegris there. And, and I do think for a foundational player who's maybe a little older, I think Zegris would be willing to part... Sorry, uh, Verbeek would be willing to part with Zegris. So what would that foundational player be? Well, the one that fits best would be Hannafin. The one that fits second best would be Lindholm. And the one just based on age that doesn't make a lot of sense for the Ducks with where they're going would be would be Tanev. Now, does Lindholm make a ton of sense knowing that the same reason that we're talking about maybe them being willing to part with Zegris is the same position that Lindholm plays maybe makes a little bit less sense. So the guy who would make the le- the most sense from an Anaheim standpoint would be Hannafin. So if there was a desire on the Hannafin side to re-sign there, then maybe that is something that could be worked out. And, and, and maybe there could be other players on the Flames that you could talk about as well who aren't pending UFAs. But I guess long story short, do I think it is possible the Ducks could trade Zegris? Yes. Do I think it's necessarily the, the greatest fit in an immediate trade right now with the Flames? Maybe a little less confident in that. But I do think and, and another guy that I've been really interested in with the Ducks for similar reasons is Olin Zellweger, who's currently playing in San Diego of the American League. You know, if the the Ducks are interested in bringing in a little bit of an older but still foundational player like a guy like Hannafin, then yeah, I think you could have talks about either Segris or Zellweger. Um, Different packages surrounding those two returns. But I guess what I would say is, would he be a fit? Possibly, maybe. 
Is it is, is Zegris the most likely guy I'd be looking at as a return? Maybe not, but I, I definitely wouldn't poo-poo that uh, completely either. Um, this reads, uh, if Coleman, uh, by the way, from Graham and Bridgeland, uh, if Coleman keeps going like this, he'll play his way into a trade. Can't imagine other teams aren't taking notice as a piece to put them over the top. Would hate to see him go, but if he can be turned into futures and cap flexibility, I think you have to look at it. P.S. Uh, shout out from a fellow former Diefenbaker chief, class of 2000. Graham, we would have been in the uh, we would have been in the school at the same time. I'm class of 2002, so you would have been a senior when I was in grade 10. So um, I got to find out what that last name is to go look at one of my yearbooks. Um, thank you, Graham. And you know the the point on the point on Coleman's a good one. I bet you there would be tons of teams who would be looking at him and saying, "Hey, we could." find an easy fit for that salary and what's left on his deal. Only thing that would would maybe stop me short is, you know, I think Coleman likes it here. I think Coleman chose Calgary as a spot to raise a young family with his with his wife Jordan and and so I don't know how keen Blake and family would be moving. Now, he doesn't totally control that because he does not have full trade protection. But I just, I, I do think that that plays into it. And I also think there is a, I think there's a, a real benefit, especially knowing what the Flames have gone through the last couple of summers. I think there's a real benefit of guys wanting to be in Calgary as well. And Coleman being a guy who wants to be here and wants to be like he he really wants to be a part of the fabric here i think there's a real benefit in that so yes i i i do think there is something to be said about turning him into assets if you wanted to go down that road but i also think there is you know i i might lean towards there's more value in keeping him from a identity standpoint from a foundation standpoint but no i i fully understand the question graham and, and i think that if the flames were willing to do that or if coleman was looking for a change of scenery between now and the deadline there would be teams lining up who would be interested in him um this from kevin who says i know you don't believe a full teardown is the right path forward but how do you see calgary landing a true 1c that's worthy of a cup contender all the guys potentially on the block will likely go to teams with aspirations of deep playoff runs the surest way to get high-end first round picks is to create your own big difference between a top 10 pick and a 20 to 32 spot i'm just concerned that a retool or reload ends up half-baked without any superstars on the roster kevin it's a very fair point and and i do not discount it at all um i guess what i would say to you is that i i do think the flames if they make some of these trades there's a good chance that they will draft higher than 20 to 32 you still got to uh you still got a hit on your draft picks um and i guess why i guess why i am not as much bought into the full-on teardown is because I guess I mix reality into the opinion as well. I just don't think it's something they're going to do. Uh, I don't think that is something that's going to get signed off on from the very top. So, you know, sometimes when I have these conversations, I, I mix a little bit of reality of the situation with uh, opinion as to what should happen. And the reality is I just don't think a full teardown is actually going to happen. The other thing is, is that 
you get yourself some different picks um, and you maybe are able to build some assets, build some assets up and maybe swing some assets in an offseason trade to bring somebody in. There's that possibility. And, you know, I, I, I think about some of the young players that the Flames could potentially target in a deal, especially with a Hannafin or a Lindholm involved. Maybe that's a way that you could get a guy who could fill that void going forward. Because I, I, I think when we get down close to trade deadline, teams are going to be willing to give up more than they're willing right now to bring in Lindholm or to bring in Hannafin. And so I don't know if you're just only getting potential lottery picks, as in like potential draft picks, lottery tickets rather, as, as potential draft picks. I also think there's a chance that you can be getting some pretty high-end prospects or high-end guys who are willing to step or, or ready to step in now. So I get the question, Kevin. I do, and it is a full-on fair question. But I also think that there are ways to get those guys as well. Not as easy, though. I will grant you that. Uh, this says that monkey off the back is the turning point for Huberto. He's going to start looking more and more like himself every game and finish the year real strong. Bookmark it. I will. And honestly, I hope that is 100% the case. Uh, this reads, what's the latest news on Pelche? Also, do you think he'll uh, return to the Flames or go to the Wranglers? If he comes to the Flames, who will get bumped off the team? Well, number one, Pelche January is underway. So sometime this month or February is what we're looking at. I, I think there's chances um, between now on the end of the season for Pelche to return, for Jeremy Poirier to come back to the Wranglers and get in. I've got a good feeling on Oliver Shillington uh, returning at some point between now and the end of the regular season. So I, I, I do think the Flames will get some reinforcements. Coronado will, will get a recall, I think, at some point. Uh, on the Pelche point, specifically um, I think this month or February is what you're looking at in terms of him getting back into the NHL lineup and there's a decent chance he starts with a conditioning stint with the Wranglers and then moves in and plays in the NHL there's no question that at some point when he's healthy he'll return to the NHL lineup though Uh, and this says thoughts on Samuel Hanzek really good world juniors um, and a good start to his, albeit late, but good start to his Western League season with the Vancouver Giants as well. So he remains a top prospect in this organization. Mike writes, really good to see Huberdo and Mangiapane get off the schneid. Someone mentioned earlier, next in line is Dubé. Curious to know your thoughts on how to get Dubé going here. Can he get pushed up to the top nine? If we think of a future without Lindholm where a trade happens that doesn't come with current NHLers in exchange, maybe that's a spot where Dubé can move up the lineup, but also that may be a time where Pelche comes back in and may get in the way of Dubé cracking that top nine. Where does he fit right now? Seems hard to figure out. I, I think right now he continues to fit in the same spot he's been on that line with with Ruzicka and Greer. He's had some chances, but it's it's he, he's going to need to pop one to break through, I think, and, and it's going to have to come in a similar fashion. Just keep on, as, as Huberdo, just keep on working and, and Keep on doing good things is, is probably the way it's going to go for Dubé. Yeah, when, when a deal or two is made, it might open up some space, but I know they want to get Coronado in and playing, and Pelche is something, as you mentioned, that you got to factor in. Um, 
this uh, this from Angus from Calgary. I saw this on Twitter earlier, but would you think of a swap of Lindholm for Bowen Byram in a first? Also, I'm a Diefenbaker alum as well, class of 2020. So we got Graham, we got Angus, we got Steinberg, uh, all class of Diefenbaker, different years. Uh, I don't think you're getting Bowen Byram in any trade with the Avalanche. I really don't. Uh, and the reason I say that, Angus, is because the Avalanche want to win a Stanley Cup. And they are going to win a Stanley Cup with Byram in the lineup. They become significantly weaker on defense if you move him out. And yes, I know the Avs got a contract situation with them down the road, but if you're Joe Sackick in that hockey ops department, you don't care, I, I don't think, or, or you're not all that concerned with a year and a bit from now. You're concerned with between now and March 8th, and you're concerned with April, May, and June. And, and I think if they're going to land a Lindholm, they're only giving away guys that are not impact makers on their lineup or in their lineup right now. I, I think it's personally, I think it's super unrealistic to think of Bowen Byram on the move at all from the Avalanche between now and the deadline, maybe in the offseason, maybe at next year's trade deadline, or maybe in next year's offseason. But this year, I, I, I would be full-on stunned if they did that. So, no, I don't think personally Lindholm's landing you Byram. I really don't. Um, that being said, if my read on that is wrong from the Avalanche, then you make that deal all day, every day, if you can get Byram back. No questions asked. Um, this says um, two questions. Any update on Shillington and what was Sylvia making on New Year's Eve? Uh, okay, on the Sylvia front, I don't know. Uh, on the Shillington front, I, I don't think there's really any uh, update other than it remains status quo, which is good. Uh, it remains status quo in that he's still skating at team facilities. He, he's still wearing a Flames practice jersey when he's skating. He's still uh, coming into the building and doing workouts. Like he is very much doing things things on a sanctioned uh, uh, in a sanctioned form which is good news he's not just working out and skating on his own he's doing stuff as a member of the flames he is yet to return to practice but I don't write that off from happening between now and the end of the regular season the same way I don't write off him returning to action at some point I, I I've got a good feeling on on Shillington and and so we'll see where this thing goes but uh, that would be a huge return for the flames uh, if they could get him back no doubt about it um and finally I don't like the idea of a full blow-up. I'd like to see them keep guys like Coleman and Markstrom and use them to help develop the young players uh, to who they need to be, especially Markstrom, keep them to mentor Wolf like Nashville did with Saros until he was 100% ready. Of course, talking there about Pekka Rene. Um, is that Derek Wills texting in? That's Derek's. That's what Derek always says. I think he stole – either that's Wills texting in or you stole that right from Wills. No, I'm just kidding. Great minds. Uh, and yeah, I think that's – I think there's a very – very um, fair point to be made about that when it comes to Jacob entering a guy like Dustin Wolf. Like, wouldn't you love to have Wolf behind Markstrom? And if Jacob's getting 50 starts in a year and Wolf's getting 32, well, he's also gleaning and learning a lot from Markstrom behind him. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So, yeah, and there's, there's a very fair argue, argument to be made about that. I think Coleman 
Fair point. I even think you can make that point with a guy like Tanev and, and potentially keeping him around from a, a mentoring standpoint. There's a lot of things that, that Craig Conroy has to um, a lot of things that Craig Conroy has to weigh when he's making some of these decisions between now and the deadline and even going into the offseason. Great stuff on the text line tonight at 960-960. Let's get back to the phone lines with a couple more calls on our Flames Talk postgame show following a 3-1 win over Minnesota. First of those final two calls is our buddy Magarsa. What's going on, buddy? I'm good, buddy. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good, man. Good, good. Yeah, no, decent win for the boys, but uh, to be real with you, Patty, I'm just cheering for the UFAs to play well and drive up the price. Um, you know, also for Marky, obviously, to keep playing well, because I think he's possibly part of that trade group. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm honestly at the point here where I've been watching this this team for a long time, obviously, and I think like most fans, we just want to build a real championship caliber team, right? Mm-hmm. So you obviously cheer for your, your team to get dubs, but to be honest, like I said, I just want them to build something for the for the long run, right? I feel you. I feel you, and I don't think you're alone by any stretch. In fact, I know numerous uh, numerous regulars on this program who, who agree with you wholeheartedly, and, and I, I get it. Definitely. Yeah, I have full confidence in Connie, and, you know, I think uh, it's quite possible, you know, whether it's a trade deadline or, or – yeah, prior to, I mean, to the trade deadline, we could get some good packages for these players. Um, I think uh, Markstrom, the way he's playing, like I said, maybe moving him and getting a decent package for him. And uh, it just, it just, and about- I, I don't, I don't discount the Markstrom stuff, especially when yeah. you factor in some of the teams that believe they're championship contenders that, you know, look like they need goaltenders. It just, it's so much less likely in this day and age that a goalie with his cap hit and of his caliber actually moves in season. So I'm not saying that it's completely out of the question, but I I would say that it, it feels a whole lot less likely that we see a guy like Jacob move um, in season compared to a guy like Vladar. But again, I wouldn't completely shut the door on it. I don't think it's something the Flames would completely shut the door on either. It just I think that there are that there's less of a chance of of teams being able to pony up what the Flames should be rightfully looking for in a Markstrom trade than, you know, may- maybe in the offseason if they were to be exploring something like that. I do think it's important at some point for the Flames to have a real conversation with Jacob about the direction of the team. Hey, you know, what What are you What are you thinking if we end up going younger? What are you thinking if we end up being slightly less competitive than, you know, the the mandate has been of late and and see what he says but again I just I and I again I, I will not say because I think really um with the way things are that anything is potentially possible and I don't think there are very many untouchables at all it just feels less likely you know what I'm saying definitely well do you think the way they're playing obviously now is pretty good I mean they're five back to 500 but um if they're close to the playoffs, do you think there's any chance 
they just go for it and not trade players? To be perfectly honest with you, I really don't. I don't see it either. I, I, I think don't see how they can. I, I think, you know, I'll, I'll give Craig Conroy a ton of credit. When he has, like, he said a lot of things that have made Flames fans excited about the direction of this team. And he's followed through on a lot of those things. You know, th- you take a look at, he said that he wants to get younger. Well, he's gone out of his way to allow this team to get younger and give younger players more of an opportunity. He said, he, if you don't want to be here, they're going to look to move you. And he's done that on two occasions with Zadorov and Toffoli. And I, I think that he will continue to follow through on that if, I'll say this. If those guys aren't signed by the deadline, I I think that they will be moved. I agree with you. I mean, I think even if they're at the cusp, like maybe. And and I mean, regardless of of where they're sitting. I mean, it is going to be between now and and March 8th. It feels feels very unrealistic based on what Vancouver, L.A. and Vegas continue to do. The Flames will be in a divisional playoff conversation. So we're going to be talking about them as a wild card team if they're in this playoff mix. So I I, I think bubble playoff team, I don't think Edmonton's going away. I don't think uh, St. Louis is going away. I really don't think Seattle's going away. So, like, they're going to be a bubble playoff team, I think, at the deadline, Uh, whether it's in a good bubble spot or a less, less... pretty bubble spot. I, I still don't think they're going to be higher than that. And so as a result, I, I, I don't think that Conroy will hesitate. I really don't. I agree. Now, do you think it's possible? I think this is more off season, but I think Kadri, I can't remember a couple of weeks back or months back, there was a comment made about he doesn't want to be here for a I rebuild. Think, I think so what was said, and I think it was, uh, I don't remember who said it. It might have been Freed, but I don't want to credit unless I, I remember exactly who yeah. it was. But there was a comment that said um, maybe he, I, again, I, I'll take that back. I don't, I don't remember exactly who it was, so I don't want to credit that to Freed mm-hmm. unless I know for sure it was him. But basically the report was that maybe he wouldn't be super keen on being part of a – a rebuilding team, right? So, which, you know, yeah. he's over 30, he's a cup winner, he's he's a guy driven to win, so you can understand that. 100%. Okay, lastly, do you, I, do you think it's possible, or sorry, let me rephrase this, do you think it's better for them to trade these players before the deadline? My fear is they go to the deadline and maybe they get lowballed, knowing, teams knowing that they have to move them or lose them for nothing i think that's already what's happening um i don't think teams have have gotten real serious in terms of the offers and and so i think waiting to the deadline might be one of the chips that craig conroy's got to play now i don't know if it'll necessarily have to go right to march 8th but i do think his patient approach is is going to be huge here in being able to maximize return because i do think there have been teams who have been like okay let's see how serious you really are here and and haven't necessarily come forward with the big time deals or deals that 
the the Flames are interested in taking. And and I honestly think that Conroy's patient approach throughout all of this is is going to pay off. I think it it is going to be uh, a big reason why they do end up maximizing on some of these deals. I agree with you. Awesome, man. Looking forward for the next couple months and uh, leading to the trade deadline. And keep up the great coverage, man. I appreciate you, man. Magarsa, you're a beauty. Good to hear from you, brother. Thanks, man. Take care, buddy. Uh, we go from one beauty to another beauty. Wrapping us up on Flames Talk tonight is the future general manager of the Calgary Flames. Uh, Dylan joins us in the program right now. Hello, Dylan. Good evening, Pat. What are you up to? Oh, I'm just, I'm I'm in honor of talking to the future GM. Well, it's not every day that you get to you get to have these conversations with people of my caliber, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, hope it's uh, hope you're on the mend there of your sickness. I am. That's good. Good to hear. Because um, don't worry when when I get in charge, Pat. I'm coming to sports at nine sixty. I'm going to say, Pat, you got to come work for me. I'm going to need you in, a, in some sort of capacity. Oh, no, you um, want to be successful, man. I don't, if you're going to be the new GM, uh, you don't want to hire me. I want you to have success. Well, I can't have you talking bad about me on the radio. Oh, okay. So I'll, need, okay. I'll, need, oh, I'll, need, I'll need to I'll need to bring you on board. You know? But uh, anyway, I thought tonight was a good game. Um, I think it's uh, – I like the idea of Coleman there. I, I think it's such a mistake – to, to sit here and just want to immediately trade away people that actually want to be here. I mean, we complained as a fan base for for the last two years about, oh, no one wants to play here. No one wants to play here. Everyone hates it here. We can't get Americans to play here. And then there's one American who's a proven winner, who's had a really good year, and you would just want to trade him away immediately? No. I mean, I mean, players don't like that. Players don't. That gets around the league. I mean, you're trying to attract free agents, and you've got a guy who's starting a family and wants to do all this stuff in this city, and you just can't immediately trade him away for assets. I mean, no. I mean, Coleman's a guy that you have around here to build around the next young core. And uh, I just, I think it'd be such, as, as much as you could probably get something good for him, I, I think it would be a mistake to trade a man, a, a guy like that, honestly. I, I, I am, I'm mostly with you. Um, I, I get it was a question from uh, Devin Baker alum, Graham, who uh, asked a little earlier. And, and so I, I get the question, and, and, and I understand it. And I think there would be a lot who would agree with him. But I think in the case of uh, a guy like Coleman, there might be an argument to be made that him staying, there's more value than him being dealt. And I, I, I think that you have to have that conversation with – uh, or, or about all your guys who could potentially be dealt. Like I think you got to have that conversation about Tanev. I think you have to have to have that conversation about Markstrom. So on and so forth. You know what is the value and where is that threshold of the value of a guy staying as opposed to a value of the guy being dealt? And, and I think that with with Coleman's case, it could swing to the value being higher of him being or, or remaining a member of the team. I'd say so too, and I mean, we all know how crazy GMs can get at deadline time when it comes to big defensemen like Tanev. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if someone traded a first and a bunch of prospects for him, because that's just what they do. I mean, look at Sherratt. I mean, that was an unreal return. Yeah, Sherratt and I, David that, Savard are the two kind of recent ones that teams have ponied up for. Now, I think Tanev is at a significantly different level than both those guys. Like, I think he's better than both Sherratt and by Savard lot. by a significant margin. Yeah. But, but also. 
those are a few years ago. We haven't seen a lot of that of late. So maybe that balance is out a little bit. But I, I, I do think if they decide to trade Chris, that they'll get a good return. I think so, too. I mean, that's that's why I kind of lean toward it. GMs like to do those kind of things. They get excited. And I wouldn't, personally. I don't. I can't. I can never see myself spending those assets on Sherrod or Savard. But like you said, it may not be the same market now. Maybe they, I don't know, seen. But um, I don't know. I just think you, you make a mistake by just mailing everybody out, especially people who want to be here. Like, yeah, get Lindholm and those guys out of here. They don't want to be here. Um, but uh, keep the guys that can, can contribute to a good culture here for the young guys. You've got to have guys that, that – that take the young guys under their wing. It's important to have that kind of stuff, whether it's in a you know a workplace, you know, you know whether it's you know in, in a mechanic shop, any sort of trade. You know you got to have the older guys really, really um, teaching the young guys how it's done and, and sharing on that experience. That's that's important even in hockey and in professional sports. You got to have that experience. Um, yeah, than that, I mean, I don't know. It's it's good to be on board. I mean, if the Flames are going to make a run and just join in. I mean, the amount of people that just complain and complain about just constantly wanting to lose, there's nothing we can do. I mean, I'm, I'm the future GM. But there's nothing I can do. I'm on board for just winning or losing. Let's just enjoy the ride. I mean, we can't just complain all the time. That's not, not what we want to do here, Pat. Um, thank you for the call, Pat, and maybe we'll talk to you again here soon. Dylan, good to hear from you, pal. Be well, hey? Yeah, you too, man. Uh, that'll wrap us up on the phone lines this evening. Thanks for your phone calls. Thanks for your text this evening. Text line, phone lines, great as always, following a 3-1 Flames win over the Minnesota Wild. It is time for tonight's final summary. Flames never trailed in this one tonight. They open the scoring at the 11.40 mark of the first period as Andrew Mangiapane makes it 1-0. A nice redirect for Mangiapane gets the Flames on the board. His seventh of the year from Rasmus Anderson and Mackenzie Week at 11.40 for Manjapani. He snaps an eight-game goalless drought, so a big goal for Manjapani there. Then, late in the first period, an even bigger goal from a uh, drought-snapping perspective. Jonathan Huberdo, after snapping a big points drought the game before, he scores his fifth of the year to snap an eight 18-game goalless drought to make it 2-0 Calgary. Huberdeau's fifth from Elias Lindholm and Yegor Sharangovich at 19:36. The Flames led 2-0 after 20 minutes of play. To the second period we go. Wild get the only goal of the middle frame, and it's Patrick Maroon who scores it. Maroon's fourth from Nick Patan and Marco Rossi at the 9:28 mark of the second period. Minnesota right back in it. It was 2-1 Calgary after 40 minutes of play. To the third period we go, and boy did the Wild push, especially in the first half of that third, but they could not solve a dialed-in Jacob Markstrom. Then uh, the Flames settled in from there, and back half of the second period... Things were a whole lot more even, and eventually with less than a minute to go, Blake Coleman seals this one into an empty net. His team-leading 14th of the year, Coleman from Michael Backlund and Weger at 19.03, made it 3-1 Calgary, and that would end up being your final score. Final shots, 33-29 in favor of the Flames. Calgary goes 0-1 on the power play tonight. Minnesota 0-3 with the man advantage. Your three stars tonight, number three, Chris Tanev, number two, Marc-Andre 
Andre Fleury. And number one, making 28 on 29. He was outstanding tonight. Jacob Markstrom, your number one star this evening. With the win, Calgary's back to 500 at 16, 16, and 5. And they're back in action Thursday when they visit the Nashville Predators. As for Minnesota, they fall to 16, 16, and 4. They're back in action Thursday at home to Tampa Bay. That is your final summary. And now for everyone involved in Flames Hockey tonight, for our broadcast crew of Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson, and for our outstanding producer, Azam Ali Nanji, my name is Pat Steinberg. As we start to wrap things up in your Flames Talk postgame show, we're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. As I mentioned, next up is Thursday night. Flames on the road in Nashville. We're on the air at 6 o'clock with puck drop, which means your Flames warm-up pregame show goes at 5 o'clock. Have yourself a wonderful rest of your week. Final score from XL Energy Center tonight, Flames 3, Minnesota Wild 1. This has been your Flames Talk postgame show available wherever you get your podcasts. And this has been Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.